1: Life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision.
2: If you have a question for Alex Cook, our Ask Alex segment, Alex, a special welcome back to 2020. Thanks,
0: Neil. Always good to be with you guys.
2: Alex, we were talking a couple of weeks ago. An important topic and uh, some more to just develop on that and uh, of course calls from listeners. Welcome. 1-800-316-316 Any topic you want to talk about so far as uh, money goes. Alex, we were talking about uh, the idea of estate planning, things that can go wrong, the conflicts, the tensions that can result when you don't have a will or you haven't got a will that's written appropriately. Uh, Just a little recap as we get things underway today so far as this idea of it being very important to plan your estate
0: yeah look it's, it's hugely important um, from a, a biblical perspective i would call it your final act of stewardship you know it's what it's what you're going to do with the, the god's money as i say and who you're going to leave it to um, but also there's a practical element to it and i say it's about simply making sure that the right amount of funds end up in the right hands at the right time that's the practical outworking of it so making sure that the money that god's entrusted to you ultimately ends up with the right people at an appropriate time and of course making sure they have the right amount you know if you've got a young family uh you want to make sure that they're not just left with the mortgage they're actually left with insurance and other things as well so there's multiple facets to it but the key issue is i think um, from a Christian perspective, is that we are stewards of everything God gives us, and of course, we know <laughs> you can't take any of it with you, and so this is your final opportunity, if you like, to send your money to the right places. And of course, it does raise a big question. You know, particularly I think for Christians, is should we even leave all our money to our, you know, all our money to our kids? I think that's the big question that it um, that it leads to. Um, and this is a a really, uh, I guess a controversial one. Most people that I've witnessed over the years leave all their money to their, obviously their surviving spouse and then typically to their children. And usually a hundred percent of it stays within the family in most, in the majority of cases I've witnessed. But I guess the question is, is that really biblical? Is that something we should really be doing? Um, because, if it's god's money shouldn't we be considering other things that the money could be used for particularly if your children are old enough you know, you know they're adults and they're financially independent obviously this is all entirely circumstance driven and this is why everyone needs obviously good legal advice but if you've got a young family then clearly you want to make sure that all money left behind is going to make sure at the at the absolute starting point is going to look after them and help make those kids, you know, get raised if you're, if you're still young yourself and the kids are, you know, under 18. But once you're over 18 and the kids start, you know, they've got their own home and things like that, is it really necessary that they inherit a large amount of money? Or in most cases, the vast majority of people don't inherit until they're in their 50s from 80-year-old parents. And the reality is that by the time most people are in their 50s, their careers are well underway their mortgage is either paid off or, you know, well well into it. Uh, and so there's not as ne- big a need for them getting a huge inheritance as it was in Old Testament times. You see, in the Old Testament times, they lived on the land. Most people lived a subsistence life, um, and they desperately needed to make sure that they, the, the land was passed on to future, future family members so that they could continue uh, to, to live. Whereas these days, your kids are largely independent by the age of 50. (laughs) Most people are probably nodding their head, thinking, yeah, I hope my kids are independent by the age of 50.
2: If you're still home at 50, you are late (laughs) to launch, as the old saying goes.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) There's a movie, isn't there? Failure to launch. Yeah, (laughs)
2: yeah. Hey, we'll come back to this topic, and uh, listeners might have their own thoughts. one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen, 316 big one there, should you leave all your money to your kids? And the uh, subsequent question to that might be, uh, should all our kids be treated equally in a will? one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen, 316 316 taking calls. Let's take a call from Pam in Strathpine in Queensland. Hello, Pam. Welcome along.
1: Oh, hello. Hi. Hi, Alex. And hi, and hi Neil. Uh, yes, um, I'm wondering, I heard about this. Um, I own my own home and that, and it's worth about 600000 oh, odd It's a big home with pool and everything and five bedrooms and that. And I was wondering, um, I, was, I was needing some money, and I heard about this, that you can borrow money against your home. Uh, I thought it was coming next year. And that, have you heard anything about that, Alex? That the, you I,
0: can the idea of a reverse your... mortgage, I think. Rever- you're talking I was going to say, man. exactly right. Yeah. So there's a reverse mortgage uh, system in place whereby, as, uh, as Pam highlighted, you can actually borrow against your home. My understanding, I've never actually written one for a client, but my understanding is uh, you can borrow up to about 20% of the value of your home and you can take that money out um, against your home and use that to live off um, and, you know, use as you wish. Now, they are sort of seen as slightly controversial in the sense that effectively you never repay a reverse mortgage. You're not paying them off. You only pay it off, you know, when you pass away and the bank then sells the house, yeah. etc. So your children yeah. aren't going to be <laughs> necessarily a big fan of it. Um, if they're inheriting, they thought they're inheriting the house and they're not. So that's that's the, the obvious one that comes up. But the other issue is that there might not be as much left as you think because what happens is if someone takes out a reverse mortgage at say age 70 and they live to 90, the interest on that reverse mortgage is capitalising, that is it's accumulating over that 20 year period. So if you took out say $100,000 loan and the interest, of course, you don't repay, And that accumulates over 20 years. An enormous um, portion of the equity in the home may have been consumed by interest repayments that have not been made because, as I say, it's capitalised. So that's some of the big downside. So the banks are very nervous about these kind of things so they make you go and get independent financial advice about them and so forth because it's very important that um the person that takes it out understands the consequences and of course i would almost go to say that the family members themselves are aware of it understand the consequences so they don't get a big shock when uh you know when when the parent uh, passes away and they discover there's nothing left in the house so, yeah, it is it is doable, but something to be entered in with a great deal of uh, thoughtfulness and prayer.
2: Pam, I hope that is helpful. Thank you so much for your call. A number of calls coming through. Let's take another one. Jason is in Melbourne. Hello, Jason. Welcome Hello. along. Good afternoon, Alex. Good morning, Alex and Neil. I'd like to make a point. You made good points today,
1: Alex, about comparing autism times with current times. It's good that we get a good... Viewpoints like yours on vision about finances. We are stewards of what God gives to
2: us and we should act accordingly. Uh, This idea of stewardship, a thought or two for Jason.
0: Yeah, look, I take the the biblical position um, and that is that all the money that we have is God's. You know, we tend to think of money in our culture as being uh, our's, something that we need to hold on to. Um, the biblical position is actually God is our provider and we are to use what he provides to us um, to honor him and to glorify him. And of course, you know, when it comes to the topic of estate planning, it's it's the it's your last chance if you like. And so we need to think carefully about Um, and also not only is it our last chance but it's often a significant sum of money because you know the majority of people when they pass away they own their own home Uh, they've got a bit of superannuation and other things so we're talking you know in Australia potentially quite a bit of money that could be used for doing good and doing kingdom purposes and that's why I'd encourage people to prayerfully consider yes of course you you should give to your kids absolutely Uh, and you should Think about how much they, they you should give to them based on their, their own circumstances and and so forth. But equally, I think top of mind should be, how can I use this money as my final act to really support Christian ministries, kingdom activities, things that are going on in Australia and around the world that will build God's kingdom once I'm gone? Because there's a lot of work to be done and, <laughs> you know, we need a revival in our country. There's a lot of work to be done and it takes financial resources to make some of it happen. So, yeah. Yeah. Jason, Very thank cool. you
2: so much for your call. Taking calls one eight hundred 316 Let's take another call. Tonya is in air in North Queensland. Hello, Tonya. Welcome. Yeah.
1: Hello. Thank you. Yes. Um, I, I'm not sure. It's to do with Will. Um, I was just... Um, if you've got a sibling that um, sort of causes trouble if a parent passes away and... Um, it, um, if they can try and dwindle you out of the inheritance that you're entitled to. I'm Uh,
2: not sure
1: if that's something... That's the
2: sort of conflict we've been saying can happen. Uh, Your thoughts, Alex?
0: Yeah, so look, um, for the first obvious starting point with anyone listening to this is I'd say make sure you get legal advice and obviously you get it um, done prior to, if, if we're talking about you and your own will, then it's very important you get legal advice and get appropriately advised. If it's something where the person's already deceased and then we're talking about challenging of estates, that's where obviously it can get extremely messy because ultimately once someone's passed, often the siblings think it's now just down to money and it becomes, it can, I've seen all sorts of horrible things over the years. Um, So once again, you need legal advice to make sure, you know, your uh, interests are taken care of as per the intentions of the will. Um, So, but to me, it's a classic case of prevention is better than cure. So I take the view that you want to have a will in place. Um, You want to make sure you choose the executors very carefully. These are the people who will distribute the assets on your behalf. Um, And that's where you've got to allow for conflicts of interest. So sometimes, you know, we might have two or three kids. Um, Maybe one of the kids isn't financially savvy, so you'd rule them out. Maybe um, that two of the siblings don't get along and therefore there's likely to be conflict. So in that situation, what a lawyer may advise is to use an external public trustee um, to prevent family members fighting over it and the government takes care of it. You've got to be careful about those services. They do cost a bit of money and so forth and, and can be a negative. Um, but the other thing, of course, I think, is to make sure your children actually know the financial outcome before it happens so that way they know what to expect and why it's being done that way. Um, that doesn't stop a dispute necessarily, but at least they knew that was the intention. You can also do what's called a letter of wishes, which ex- basically explains why. So that complements the will because it just explains the heart behind it. Uh, so there's little things you can do, uh, but nothing is a substitute for you know good quality legal advice to make sure you don't uh, make mistakes. And just a warning message for listeners is to say, look, try and avoid things like the legal will kits that you can get from the post office. Because what you find with those is whilst they they can be valid, a lot of people make innocent mistakes like getting a beneficiary to sign it, for example, that means the will's null and void. So there's lots of little things to do to protect yourself and the cost of seeing a solicitor to get a will drafted properly is not a big cost, so it's worth doing properly and I'd encourage people to do that. Tanya, is that a helpful response? Yes,
1: yes, thank you very much.
0: Thank
2: you for your call. one 800 3.16, 3.16, to join in our conversation today, Alex Cook on our Ask Alex segment. Uh, Alex, we did talk about uh, do you leave all your money to your kids? Uh, The idea of uh, should all the kids be treated equally in a will? As you say, if if the person who's making the will uh, sets that out and everybody understands what's happening, it's going to minimise conflict. But uh, what are your thoughts for this idea of equal treatment for each child?
0: Well, look, on face value, the answer would, if you've got a, what I would call a very stable family, maybe you've got two or three kids, they generally get along, etc., then you may just treat them equally because there's no reason not to. Um, However, there are many circumstances where that may not apply. So one example, for example, is that say you have a child that's disabled and profoundly disabled, you may well need to make quite extensive arrangements to make sure they're looked after, after you, after you've passed away, so that's that's a, probably what I'd call a fairly obvious one. Um, but there are also other scenarios whereby you may have a child who is functional, but they are unable to look after money, or they have a spouse who you feel um, may try and rob them out of money, or you feel that they're vulnerable in some way. Then most likely solicitors are gonna recommend trust structures. And in trust structures, you can divide your money up equally or in any portion, but that you can also put belts and braces around it so that like, if I've got a vulnerable child, I may make it so that they get an income stream for life but they don't get the capital as a lump sum. And that way you're protecting them from, you know, getting a huge amount of money and then blowing themselves up by, you know, wasting it. Um, You're allowing them to just get an income stream for the rest of their life. And that way you're still taking care of them and and potentially even equally to the other kids, but you're trying to protect them through belts and braces, through trust structures and so forth. So obviously this area can get complicated and hence, you know, the, the statement earlier about legal advice. But nonetheless, I don't think you have... Have to treat them all equally there are reasons why that may be inappropriate um and i as a financial planner i stumble across situ- situations all the time where um uh, a person's been divorced and remarried they've now got kids to the new marriage for unfortunate reasons they don't have contact with their previous children from the previous marriage it, 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 we, we, talk, we live in a fallen world and it can be very broken my view is you always want to make provision for your children um, but it doesn't necessarily have to be equal. Time
2: running short on this segment. Let's squeeze in one more call. David is in Mackay in Queensland. Hi, David. Good morning. David, what are your thoughts?
1: I've, I've just seen the results of the uh, cliff uh, to one uh, congregation. So it it c- completely saved it and, and got it going, uh, lifted it, and it's going so well. And then another case where uh, another church was... Uh, they to have to, they'd have to dispense with their full-time minister because they couldn't, there weren't enough funds. And, uh, look, a bequeath uh, as happened to one of those churches made all the difference, and it was 100000 Now, that might only be a third of what uh, someone sells their house for, you know, like someone that passes on, the house is sold, uh, or even less, uh, sorry, even, yeah, even less than that. And, you know, we don't owe our children anything more than bringing them up and giving them a education, God can't do, you know, need your help to do that, to bring them up, to educate them and get them where. But from then on, they're in God's hands, you know, and, and he will enable them, and, and, and he's under their care to make a profit and, and look after themselves, and, and they need that challenge. They don't need a, another flow-on of money that, that really is not entitled to them. You know, if you, if you bring your child, children up, David,
2: you're making some great points here. Alex, mm. the idea of a bequest uh, to your local church.
0: Uh, we, I was going to say bequest to your local church, but also to ministries in general. What I love about what he's saying is, is is this, and that is that the legacy that you want to leave your children should be one of not just raising them, but I think leaving them a legacy of faith and leaving them, uh, you know, a legacy of the Christian life that they can emulate. That, that to me, is the, the key legacy. You want to leave your children much, much more than money. Um, and as he rightly says, it can make a huge difference to, to your local church. It makes differences to um, uh, ministries like the Salvos and um, you know Bible Society. And I, I assume even Vision gets bequested from time to time as well. So it is a fantastic way, I believe, to pass money on that was really god's money anyway pass it on to future you know future ministry activity it's it's brilliant it's i call it leaving a legacy and so the legacy to your kids should be one of faith much more so the money and the legacy you can leave ministries can be money which supports their ability to go out and you know spread the good news David in Mackay, thanks
2: so much for your call and uh, we're going to put a line under those calls for now although our conversation coming up is going to be somewhat a financial conversation too but uh, I want to say a special thank you to Alex Cook and a reminder to listeners at this time on a Wednesday at this particular segment it's Ask Alex finance questions on any finance topic you can think of uh, Alex, our money expert, you can follow Alex uh, at uh, wealthwithpurpose.com uh, on Facebook, uh, Purpose Wealth on Twitter, Wealth Purpose. And if you have a particular question for this Ask Alex segment, there is a email address you can use, askalex at wealthwithpurpose.com. Alex, great insights once again. Thanks so much for joining us on 2020.
0: Thanks, Neil. Great to be with you as always.